What What did you dream about last night? I haven't had another Dern dream. I'm really blanking. I I have been having some really common dreams, like dreaming about the dishwasher. That might have been last night. All right. So when you say common dreams, do you mean like, do you think that a lot of other people dream about the dishwasher? When I say common, I think I just meant like everyday, mediocre, like mundane things. Like home. I mean, that feels like a direct product of the quarantine. Exactly, because we're all just kind of in. So like I'm just dreaming about the dishwasher because, you know, what else is there now? Have you been doing the dishes? Is that is that a, a role you're playing in these uncertain times? I mean, it happens. If there's some dishes in the sink, I'll do them. We have a dishwasher as well, so sometimes stuff goes in there. Life is reverting to simpler times. Yeah, when we washed our dishes. Honestly. <laughs> Imagine. Yeah. In my day, dreams. You got dreams, kid. My day, I dreamed about dishwashers. Uh, so uh, Laura Dern made a strawberry shortcake this week. Oh, I missed it. I've yeah. been a little unplugged. You know, me time. She said it wasn't very good. Oh, it looked really. <laughs> really? Good. Yeah. No, she said I it was great. She said it was crooked, and it just kind of taught me that you know it's okay to fail. She made it herself. Yes. Okay. Well, you know, that's why Laura Dern has a full staff of cooks, I guess. <laughs> yeah, because she's a garbage baker. We don't know her for her baking. There's a reason for that. Betty Crocker is not Laura Dern. That is a fact. True. So we have I think some... it's true. Probably. I think, but Betty Crocker is kind of all of us, right? Because it's not a person. It's just like a Don Draper idea. Isn't it crazy that like most like names of of like store like store not store but like the names behind a lot of brands are people that are dead now? Yeah, Betty Crocker was a woman and now she's dead. And are you sure? Like, I thought Betty Crocker was like a fiction. Was just like no, I'm pretty sure she was a real person. One second, I'll look it up. Betty okay. for our old timey ad execs listening at home, just let us know. Tweet at us. I'll keep talking while Nick uh, is looking at the internet. Betty Crocker. Well, yeah, I was going to keep talking. I couldn't think of what to talk about. Um, Aunt Jemima, real, not real. Laura Dern, collective fiction. Was a real person. Betty Crocker was apparently not. So, whatever. Damn. You heard it here first, if you're Nick. So you wanna you wanna talk a little shop quick? Sure. Are you? Well, yeah. hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Before we get into that, let me just say I you know I don't think of this as typically a divisive antagonistic podcast, um, but I did feel a little railroaded by by Nick last time. It was like, hey Max, so you right off the bat, no small talk. Hey, you wished uh, illness upon this man. You did. You did do that. <laughs> it's been brought to my attention that you wished illness upon this man. And Nick, yeah, I did. But I feel like, you know, who's who's your Ernie or your Bert? I think I'm Bert, uh, even yeah. though I'm shorter. I'm <laughs> Ernie's more friendly. Who's, <laughs> who's your Bert, Nick? Right? Like, whose side are you on? 
Why are you? This feels really abusive. <laughs> oh, now it feels abusive. Well, it was yeah. railroaded. It's caught off guard. I didn't get hey. to address my feelings. We have had 161 listens all time the entire show, and one of those people felt that it was wrong that you wished illness upon this nice writer man. Oh, they said it, it was wrong that I did that. I, I thought they were merely bringing it to your attention. They brought it to my That's attention. Sort of ag- agnostic observation. They said it upset them, and I just wanted to um, eat, chew you out on the air. So here we well, are. Well, to, to this uh, anonymous listener, say it to my face next time. Come at me. You got a problem with what I'm saying? Don't, don't go, don't go puttering off to Nick about it. I'm here. <laughs> you can find me. Yeah, we have Jazzarello on Instagram. We have an email that Max doesn't know how to get into. <laughs> That's correct. You can always Nick, Nick can forward me the emails. That's fine. I could. So anyway, all I was going to say is that we now have international listeners. Oh, yeah? Is yeah. it? Can I ask if it's Sweden? It is. We have Sweden and Norway. Wow, we're spreading. Scandinavian we spread hit. Like a plague. <laughs> Do you know why I asked if it was Sweden? I had a feeling you had something to do with that. I had nothing to do with it, no. I Googled, because this is what you do, non-podcasters who are listening. If you have a podcast, every now and then, just Google it, you know, see what's out there. And and like an hour ago, I Googled Dern After Reading, Mm -hmm. and I found us on podtoppen.se which is like a, a Swedish podcast collection. We've got Rattigang's Baden, Skaringer and Mannheimer, Spocktimmen, <laughs> and Dern After Reading. So we're like, that probably means Spock time. I wonder if it's just these two Swedish we, women with are we strange just like, makeup talking about Spock. It's probably we, not. It's probably are we like the only American representation on this website? Because I would love that. It from what I see, we have Fair God man. Ton. That doesn't. I don't know what that is. Um, listen to Spock Tim and it's got Jenny Borg and Lynn Larson. I'm I'm gonna check that out. Yeah. Um, medieval history for fun and profit. That one's in English. So. Don't listen to that one. Listen to ours instead. Thanks, guys. These sound like our people, though. All those podcasts seem pretty, um, pretty virgin-filled. Oh, do you speak um, Norse? No, but I have a friend who does. Swedish? Oh, is that is that our road in here? Yeah, I sent it to my friend in Norway because I just wanted to get some, like, spread. And hope oh, you planted this seed. Okay, interesting. I, I did it dishonestly, but here we are. Thank you, Brian, <laughs> for listening. We don't need to tell the listeners that one episode. We can I, astroturf the hell out of this. We're an open book. A really bad book. What a lot of people don't know is that like, we actually use a marketing firm and we focus group all of these episodes. So when you hear something and you're like, man, did he just really wish coronavirus upon that guy? And then did they like not talk for 30 seconds while they both Googled something? That was actually tested with a home audience represented of a vast array of demographics, including age, creed, 
religion, socioeconomic level, number of fingers. Yeah, I mean, we actually, there were over 10,000 people that auditioned to be on this podcast and it got down to us too and they decided just to, it to be a it, Well, I assumed that's where people knew us from was... Yeah, the... America's the, Got Talent, uh, Laura Dern podcast edition. <laughs> that was a real uh, battle. Like, I, it hadn't occurred to me that we might have listeners who are just finding us organically and wouldn't have seen us on that popular multinational hit. What if, what if that show didn't air yet and we've just been making the podcast so there'll be like a backlog once it does? <laughs> what if this whole thing is a time capsule? Oh my God, it really is though. What if we're, we're just B-roll for a <laughs> Swedish network television primetime special our entire lives? We are incredibly big in Sweden. <laughs> There's full. It's true. Podtoppin.se. There's full billboards of just our pi- pictures that don't exist of us, just like <laughs> cross-armed. <laughs> they think it's us, but it's just like another. I'm realizing every single podcast here is two Swedish people with arms crossed. <laughs> I will it's do a janky like, Microsoft Paint version of uh, our faces on the the heads of the the women from Spock teaming. Either that or like the poster for the um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito film Twins. But you over Danny DeVito and me over Arnold. What? Now, why do you get to be Arnold? Well, Max, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I'm four feet taller than you. I... You, you're also a hulking mass. A lot of people don't know. Nick's got pecs like bowling balls. <laughs> bowling balls. I just look like a like a flesh sack full of large balls. <laughs> a flesh sack full of large balls. Dodge balls, kick balls, tennis balls, bocce balls. Ooh, you name bocce it. Ball. Getting some Italian in there. Hey. Mamma mia, that's our people. Yeah, the horns, give them the horns. We love the listeners now. Skinny guineas. <laughs> I can say that, it's allowed. Um, do we have any feud news? No, nah, it's been pretty quiet. I said if he wanted to send in a, um audio clip to fight you at all, he could, he didn't. Um, okay. I guess we could reach out and see if we could just be on their show. Yeah. Or talk about Dern. I feel like if they if we did that, they'd have us on like, and we've got these people, they've got their own Laura Dern podcast. They'd be like, so tell us about Laura Dern. And it's like, I don't know. I you know, like <laughs> let me Google it. some movies. We watched them. I'm, I'm, <laughs> what makes you think we'd be experts on this? Her dad is cool too. <laughs> yeah. She's blonde. I'm pretty sure she's tall. She's got a cat. I'm pretty sure she's eight feet tall. Yep. I want Laura Dern to step on me. <laughs> we all do, Nick. Bad. Nick is all of us in this moment. <laughs> oh, gosh. The world's falling apart. I love it. Yeah. That's the R.E.M. song. The world's falling <laughs> apart. And I love it. I really... I un- love it. I really unconsciously made, like, a Dr. Bob version of that song. 
Like a I don't doctor. know what a Dr. Bob version is. Um, like a, you know how every grocery store has their own sodas? And like everyone... I will, I will play along because, it, you know, I don't want to like... I will, yeah, I knew about every grocery store having their own sodas. Okay. Um, so ev- pretty much any name brand grocery store has their own store brand of sodas. And they pretty oh, much... You're talking about like Dr. Thunder. Yeah. Like that. Like, okay, okay, every, yeah. How everyone has a Dr. Pepper version, but it's it's like Dr. Bob, Dr. Pepper. Got it. Dr. Thunder. Yeah. Dr. Like, I think one of them, I've seen ones that are just called Doctor. <laughs> like, once or twice. I think in the seventh. <laughs> like, brand is just Dr. Soda. <laughs> Which is a very... So, so you, you Dr. Bob's that R.A.M. song, I get yeah. it. Things are ending, and it's cool. <laughs> so, uh... It would be like, you know, everyone feels pain. That's a, another good R.E.M. hit. Hey, uh, Citrus Press, am I right? I was gonna say Orange Julius. <laughs> <laughs> they all worked at an Orange Julius for one summer to get ready no, for that. No, the, the right answer would be whatever, like, the Kroger version of Orange Soda is. That would have been the best punchline to that joke. Something I was thinking about, I don't know if we ever talked about this on air, but I really wanted to go to a medieval times before all this began. It feels and, familiar, yeah, because we did the King of the Hill. And, like, now I realize that I wanted to go to a restaurant where you eat with your hands and how it's, like, never going to reopen now. And I'm kind of bummed. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's ill, but, like, it's going to be a while, because, like, that's a it's, a... it's, like, an enclosed building full of horses. Everybody's coughing and just licking their hands. I don't know. And I believe we've already discussed that horses may or may not carry COVID-19. I forgot to ask my scientist friend. I'm sure they can. They just Um, choose to. How do you feel about Ethiopian? I feel like that's a great eat-with-your-hands kind of meal. I thought you were just asking for a general opinion. Like, what's your thoughts on Ethiopia as a country? No, as a food, Nicholas. I almost had Ethiopian food one time, and then I didn't. Okay. I'd love to try it. Hey, when this is all over, you and me, it's a great, it's a great hands-on experience. Go to Little Ethiopia. Mm Mm-hmm. It's right by the bridge in Philly. It's true. We have one bridge. Two rivers, (laughs) one bridge. That's how they know us. Just like Pittsburgh. (laughs) (laughs) Philly makes, the world takes. That's what it says on our bridge. And then that bridge got taken by Trenton, New Jersey. Do you know what I'm referring to? I have no idea what you're talking about. So if you if you drive past or take the train past Trenton, New Jersey, it's merely a, a place between two places, mm-hmm. you'll see a bridge and on it a sign that says, a very large sign, it's like their public declaration of the world that says Trenton makes... The world takes, and it is like a deeply passive aggressive thing to say, and it's getting at, hey, we're this manufacturing place. You don't know us, but you stole our shit. I don't know what they made, but they probably like, you know, elevator screws or something like Trenton was the place for those elevator screws. I've got a, I've got a nifty little story about elevators. I. By all means, that's what we're here for. Well, um, the place I used to live in Philadelphia was right on Temple's campus. 
And one day I was walking back like right on the edge of campus and there was this truck parked there and it had a, uh, what was it? It had a bumper sticker and it said uh, um, elevator operators do it up and down, I think, or something like that. Okay. Or they, it, was, it was that or like elevator operators do it on every level. And I thought oh, that one's pretty good. I think you might have Dr. Bob's the first one. I for, I don't remember which one it was, but I posted a picture of it on my Instagram with the tag that set the sticker was. So it was like hashtag elevator operators, blah, blah, blah. And this guy liked it who's an elevator technician in Canada. And then I followed him and then I started liking everything he posted. And I would like, I went back years into his timeline and liked everything. And he never talked to me or messaged me, but I just like became part of his life, kind of. My friend also did. I got her to go in and like a bunch of his stuff. <laughs> can, I, can I share a similar experience? Please, please do. I'm now checking to see if this man is still in my life. I should tell all the listeners to go follow this elevator man. Friend, yes, still my Facebook friend. That's what I like to hear. Um, so in college, my roommate and I thought it would be fun to just kind of search like random words on, for people's names on Facebook. And okay. that's how we found Beth Plunger, of course. <laughs> and, but really the, but this isn't about Beth Plunger. This is about a man who <laughs> thought of a word and my roommate goes, how about food? <laughs> like, type in food. Food, F-O-O-D. And we got J.T. Foodie. Oh, wow. J.T. Foodie is still a big part of my life. He's a <laughs> man out in, in Iowa, I believe. Do you and send him a card every year? We, well, we'd, like, comment when it was his birthday and stuff. And we'd write, like, all caps, like, Hey, Foodie, hope you have lots of food. <laughs> It's and so he was just like a nice guy with the family. He's like, hey, thanks, guys. <laughs> and that's it. So, hey, uh, Foodie, JT Foodie has struck me as someone who doesn't mind random people uh, adding him on Facebook or commenting sure about food during certain holidays. So, <laughs> you know what to do, Dernsters. Get at him. Uh, JT Foodie. He sounds like a, that runs a, like a fried chicken stand. No, he's a glass contractor. Interesting. Yep. Contract glass. Yeah, I know another guy who does that. Maybe I should link him up. Not to drag out this intro any further, but there was something I was thinking about today. Intro to what? I don't know. Oh, man. the Darren thing. I forgot. Yeah, Sorry, uh, the mushrooms are kicking in. Just us. What? What? <laughs> Nothing. It's fine. Oh, you? I thought you said. Oh, never mind. No, no, that was next week. It, oh, never mind. Okay. okay. So I was thinking about like the comedic, the comedic gesture of an old time prospector dancing about gold. <laughs> yep, it works. <laughs> you, you're absolutely right. It's just so funny. Like, like they've done the joke on The Simpsons easily a dozen times. Where like, at one point I think they were on a train car and they just somebody said gold and there's just an old prospector character and he's like, did somebody say gold? <laughs> Woo-hoo! There you go. <laughs> and it's just like a little slap jive dance. And they move around a bunch, and it's just mm-hmm. funny. Oh, it really know. is, yeah. My God, I yeah, I absolutely agree. 
the my favorite Will Ferrell Saturday Night Live sketch would be the old old prospector. I have not seen that one. I'll it was it did not air. It was one of those like you know the video went around on like early YouTube as like this it got cut at the dress. Yeah, it got cut for time, but it's like it was war in which war were we in? I don't know Afghanistan, Iraq, some shit. And so it's like a briefing with all the soldiers. And they're just all regular soldiers in uniform. And then there's Will Ferrell. It's just an old-timey prospector. <laughs> the terrorists? I'd be more worried about coyotes if I was you. Oh, my God. That is Great. fantastic. Yep. Uh, Will, Will Ferrell, what a guy. Yeah, he's all right. I've heard... There's one person I know from high school that has apparently met him on multiple occasions and said he is the worst person. Yeah, I I believe it. I mean, I don't I don't know. I want to believe it, but also I want to believe he's a nice guy. Yeah, fuck him. Will Ferrell sucks. It's weird that somebody I went to high school with up here in the sticks of Pennsylvania has met Will Ferrell like five times. Yeah, do you want to contextualize that or just leave it as a an exercise for the listener? I don't there's I don't know what else to say. Like her parents don't aren't like aren't in show business or anything she just like told me like she just happened to run into him several times like in new york or wherever and i was just like whoa cool just like yep oh, there he is like hey what's up will and now she has an only fan so you know oh should we plug it nah that's okay <laughs> <laughs> all right i don't know what it is my friend told me she had one and i was like oh good for her okay I should have one selling them feet pics. Yeah, that's yep. Them get them tootsies out. Mm, top dollar. Oh yeah. You, the poor listeners don't know what they're missing, and that's Nick thrusting his, his toes up against his lens, and now there's like a blur of leftover foot juice on his camera. Hey, I sell that foot juice for twenty bucks a bottle. Yeah, you heard him. Email the pot. All right. <laughs> so we gonna we're gonna get this going. Big Big Dern. Dern. Big Dern. We got that big Dern energy. Big juicy says. It's Dern time, baby. Okay. So my week to do a big Dern and I watched The Founder, a 2016 film about Ray Kroc. Ray Kroc is a fucking asshole he's a crock of shit i hate him but we'll get there let's rewind a little bit we're in 1954 michael keaton is a traveling salesman he's not great at his job he sells milkshake machines which i have some experience with because for a year i worked as a soda jerk in philadelphia (laughs) because i'm i'm quirky anyway does it since well you brought it up does it feel like the were milkshake machines as presented in this um, docudrama in the 40s similar to how they are today? Like, has the technology changed much? Well, we're in 1954, first of all. Sure, excuse me. Yes, please. Um, Not really. I mean, the ones I was using were actually smaller than the ones he was selling. He was selling, like, I think the, the units were circular, and I think it could fit maybe eight or ten milkshakes at a time. We had, I think, three at a time, and we had two machines. Oh, all right. So he's yeah. selling the big boys. Oh, yeah, he's selling the big he's boys. Really pumping that milk. Oh, yeah. 
He loves that milk. That milk will become very important later, but we'll get there. Alrighty, so let's see where we're going with this. I know I say this about every movie I watch because I always tend to get the um, the period pieces, but the cars, the scenes, the clothing is very good. So good you don't even think about it. It's great. Also, I noticed a lot of like filmmaking things in this, but that's not quite yet. So yeah, he isn't doing great. And the filmmaking isn't good yet. We don't have cool shots yet, but he's like a traveling salesman. Yeah. And he notices that the food on the road isn't good, which is very foreshadowy because this movie is about McDonald's. Oh. What, yeah, what was road food like in the, before I mean, the, it was McDonald's? Before, like, standardized fast food, you pretty much had, like, car hop places, like a Tasty Freeze, like a Sonic Today. And it, like, it took a long time. Um, teenagers hung out there. It was kind of scummy. There really wasn't much continuity between places because they were individually run. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, he's just not doing great. He has, like, these self-help records that he listens to on the road in his hotel rooms, which is really sad. <laughs> I, like, I like the self-help genre somewhat. I mean, I like it too, but it's sad that he's, like, a failed... He's, like, a Willie Blowman just listening yeah, to self Yeah, was that, like, actual... That's like Ray Kroc's deal. Like, yeah, I was on the road listening to whoever I mean, I, the big self-help guru was I, back then. It must have happened because it seemed like a very specific point to be made, but like he wasn't doing great. Like in a little bit, we'll learn that like he they're kind of just getting by at this point in their lives, him and his wife, who's played by Laura Dern. <gasps> Love her. Oh, she's great. But yeah, it's just like, it's so jarring to see a self-help record. Like <laughs> it's <laughs> like you have to carry around a phonograph and the records it's like so much stuff <laughs> where you could just like read a book yeah, it's like who has time to help yourself you gotta lug this whole record collection around Dang, right? but appreciate our self-help things because it's just on a phone like it's little you could take it wherever you go that yeah could- this this was the material of like what the the hack comedians were doing at the time on like the jersey shore you know if you went down to the shore saw some like some comedian that was his bit Hey, you you hear about these self-help records? (laughs) Take my wife, you know, stuff like that. (laughs) Women, gotta hate them. (laughs) Nah, women are great. Anyway. That that was his bit. I know. I'm not saying that. I'm saying they're great. I think straight white men, we've had a good run. We need to give it over. (laughs) Hell no, I'm staying on top, baby. (laughs) And I'm giving shit up. (laughs) Alrighty, so Michael Keaton is on the road. He's lying to himself and everyone around him. He's like, yeah, things are going great. It's just tons of interest. It's doing fine. And then uh, he gets this call from a secretary saying that this little... Wait, he has a secretary? Yeah. I, I mean, that's he was, like, really, you know... He has a small so hot. and he has one employee who is his secretary because he's right. always on the road because he's a traveling salesman. So he's not doing that great, Max. Well, I mean, when I picture a traveling salesman, like, yeah, did Willie Loman have a secretary? No, but you know, he's doing okay, but he's not doing great. And like, you know, back then you could get a secretary for like, what, $15 a week? (laughs) I don't know. Hey, man, I've seen Mad Men. I know how it works. (laughs) Okay, so 
he calls the secretary and she's like, hey, this little burger shack out in uh, California, they want six machines. And he's like, you're an idiot woman. That can't be right. I'm going to call them because you're an idiot. He didn't say those words, but that was very much what was implied in his tone. Right. And then he calls and it's one of the McDonald brothers. And they're like, you know what? Make it eight machines. And uh, he's, he's awestruck. He's like, this is crazy. I need to go see these boys. So he drives literally across the country to go to McDonald's, the first McDonald's in um, California. I don't remember where, but California. They have 15 cent hamburgers. His order takes literally four seconds to get to him, which is baffling. He's really confused on how to eat it. And it's really weird seeing like a grown man being introduced to the idea of fast food for the first time. Which is like a concept this movie deals in, like the idea that like fast food didn't exist really before this. And like people- Yeah, that is intriguing. Like he didn't know how to eat out of the bag because like that was a thing that was never there before. You wouldn't just get like a bag of food and like throw everything away. Oh, like it, car pops, you get a tray and like plates and stuff. Yeah, because it feels so ubiquitous. Yeah, but and like back you know, then, before before our beloved Ray Kroc, uh, American hero, patriot, he is the worst. He's like if I imagine the universe where he is Beetlejuice before he dies. Because he, Michael I don't remember Keaton, Beetlejuice before he dies. Like, no, you don't meet Beetlejuice as a living person. But I imagine as Michael Keaton is Ray Kroc, he then dies and becomes Beetlejuice because he's an evil little gargoyle of a man. Oh. Okay. So let's go to the McDonald's brothers, the two most wholesome, beautiful men in this entire movie. They are played by Nick Offerman and John Lynch. I don't know John Lynch, but... He's... I didn't look what he was in. Look him up. You'll recognize him. He's, he's like a very... You're not talking like, about the football strong safety, John Lynch. No, I'm talking about the actor. He the plays actor. like... Jeff, oh, okay. He plays like, like nice guys, you know. Sure. He's got like a wholesome face. Yeah. So then... Like a poor man's uh, Adrian Brody. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, and which, he, hey, ain't bad. <laughs> I'd I take that any day. <laughs> So we're taking on a little like history montage of McDonald's. We learned that they worked at Columbia Pictures when they first went out west. They delivered film. They then owned a movie theater. And uh, right around that time was the Great Depression. So that didn't go over great. Why not? And because the Great Depression, man, nobody did nothing. It's like that. Uh, yeah, the dust. The dust. <laughs> the big dust. That's what they called it. It's <laughs> true. Anyway. They then bought a burger stand because, you know, cheap food is recession-proof. And they actually put it on a truck and moved it to the location it settled in. San something, California? San Bernardino. It's all San something, California. San Bernardino. Which uh, one? San Bernardino? Bernardino. Yeah, where the vampires are. Sure. So at this point, they're open for a little bit, but they realized, like, it's so expensive to hire like all these hops to like go out and take orders and teenagers hang out and they want to like redesign the entire thing. So they go to a tennis court and this is all true. And they like do a full size layout of the restaurant and they basically just design the perfect fast food restaurant. 
like the kitchen is all built just for them. Everything is has a very good flow to it and it's designed so pretty much a burger can be from grill to bag in less than 10 seconds or like 15, 20 seconds. Still and it's crazy. There, it is like, it's such a perfect system and like just the way this whole scene goes, it's like aerial view sides. It's such a beautiful, beautifully composed scene. And it's so interesting just seeing how like the idea of fast food was basically invented on a tennis court like this. Yeah. Ain't that yeah. some shit. Neat. And like, just think about how now fast food has changed so much, but still like, like if everything's working the way it should, you get your food so quick and that's wild. Cause I'm a, I'm a simple country boy and I, I find amazement in a quick burger. Have you, have you been out California way? Um, I, I have. I've have been, been to an in and out I have chain? I, I want to, I want to go to some other chains, but I've been to an in and out They're not bad. It's a good well, I would, I bring it up because they sort of, you can see the operation a bit. That's kind of oh. how they're designed is to like, let you see everyone in action. And it's pretty remarkable. They're a little gimmicky, but it's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go to Whataburger, but that's just me. Did you say Whataburger? Yeah, it's in Texas. It's what a burger. I don't care. I almost went once, but then our group, the group I was with, voted to go to Dairy Queen instead, which I thought was horseshit. If you're in Texas, why would you? Yeah, you can go to Dairy Queen. Yeah, I'm with you. And they were like, but Dairy Queen's from Texas. And I was like, I don't fucking care. <laughs> Bernardino, California. I'm not going to go to the first McDonald's. I'm going to go somewhere good. Like Taco Bell. Exactly. So basically, it, this whole thing comes out. It took them 30 years to be a successful burger stand. But once they hit success, they were doing great. Like, there was always a line there. The main McDonald's was always busy. And then uh, Ray basically says, so let's franchise. And the brothers say, no, we tried that once and it didn't work. They had, like, five of them originally, like, their original franchise chain. And, like, some of them were, they were dirty. They weren't being managed right. One of them was selling, like, fried chicken and tacos instead of McDonald's food. And, like, the whole, basically their whole thing was that we want to have control and have good quality. Right. They were the, um, that bit from, uh, what's his name? You know, the guy. Yeah, that fella. I don't know what you're talking about, though. I know. Oh, Mitch Hedberg. Um, where he talks about getting a franchise mm-hmm. and he's like, yeah, we'll just sell uh, blankets instead of <laughs> the actual food. You know, it's better when he said it, RIP. But like, basically like even um, In-N-Out Burger, like the reason there aren't so many of them all over the country is because they're very, um, very attentive to their quality. They don't want they want everything to come fresh from certain locations and they just don't want to stretch too thin, which is why you can't find them past the East coast. Really? Basically this was the original McDonald's idea, but obviously things went another way. So he is all done. He's done his little tour and he goes back to his wife, Laura Dern. And he's all Dern, love her. She's a great lady. She doesn't have much of an accent. She's just kind of there. Great lady. (laughs) I was going to ask. Her name is Ethel, Ethel Croc, Ray's first wife. He has three by the end of this. The middle one gets completely skipped over, which I think is weird, but. Eh, you know, cut for time. Happened to the old prospect, eh? Let me just say that all of his wives are beautiful blonde women. He is horny for Laura Dern types. 
Well, oh, poor Ethel. I, so, I search Ethel Croc on Google, and it comes up, fictional character. That is not true, but... <laughs> a fictional character, yeah. played by Laurie Tarn. It's a real shame that um, he died in 1984, because he would have been so horned up for Laura Dern. And it would have been <laughs> she was like a kid then, but you know, these are the things I think about. So he sits down at the table, he drinks a PBR, and his wife is upset. Laura Dern's mad. And that's because he's a traveling salesman, and they are notoriously not great husbands or fathers. They don't have kids, but still, um, he's not there, he's always working, he's always chasing the next thing, he's always like investing in stuff and not always really thinking it through. You know, he's not a great guy. We're kind of getting hints of that now. Before we were feeling sad from now, we're feeling a little less sad and feeling like, oh, maybe he's, eh. And at one point he says something like, I'm never gonna stop. I'm never gonna stop chasing this. And it doesn't- <laughs> Oh, he's just like unabashed. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if he says that to Dern or somebody else, but like, it's just, <laughs> it's so unredeemable him saying that. Like, I'm not going to enjoy my life or try to be a good husband. I'm just going to chase this high of being <laughs> a salesman and a successful restaurateur. Respect. I like this guy. And you know, the, the bros, they said no, so he's back on the road, he's real sad, he's getting more no's on his milkshake machine. It's very muted colors, it's rainy. He's at like a car hop, a bunch of teenagers are laughing at him. And <laughs> so that's a low. Yeah, we're pretty much at the lowest. Well, maybe there will be when some- the, When the kids are laughing at you. Yeah, it's, it's a rain. And finally, he drives back to the McDonald brothers, another almost cross-country trip, and he talks them into it. He finally gets them to go. He says, I, he, there's this super strict contract they make him sign, and it's like, we have all say, everything has to go through us, um, stuff like that. And he starts like really digging into the iconography of McDonald's, like the golden arches, that idea. He talks about like McDonald's being the new American church because... He was in like every town and every town had like a town hall and a church and he wanted McDonald's to be like the new thing. And that was like so cool to hear like such an evil thing be explained in a way <laughs> that wholesome and American. And this, oh man, from the other guy's point of view, like, like it's such this like a biblical <laughs> character enters your life and is like, oh, this restaurant you've worked hard for? Even. Wow. <laughs> Bigger than Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, gor gorging on hamburgers while he says it. Uh, okay, so Ray is back home. His wife is still upset, and instead of being like a good, attemptive husband, he says, "Let's go to the supper club." And she is so excited, which says so much about how bad this marriage is that like he's taking her to a fancy restaurant and she's like forgets everything that's wrong and is like oh that's lovely i can't wait to be with you <laughs> it's simpler times it, it was you know when you could just have like a baseline level of abuse in your marriage and it's fine it just goes on it continues <laughs> you don't have peaks and valleys just a constant like 25 percent. <laughs> god anyway so he starts selling off some franchises to his rich pals at the supper club. Um, let's see. He takes out a secret, secret mortgage to start his own, which isn't good. 
It's never good to take out a secret mortgage without telling your wife. Um, and basically the- Well, McDonald's- why would they call it a secret mortgage if you're not going to do it that way? True. <laughs> so um, the McDonald's brothers are being real strict. They're given a lot of pushback. And Ray just wants to open a restaurant. And they're like, we got to go over this. You signed a contract. Um, These dudes sort of sound like wet blankets here. I mean, kind of, but also like, you know, it's their dream and stuff. And <laughs> and I Ray- turned on them real quick. And Ray, 10 seconds. I was like, yeah, fuck them. Go, Ray, go. No, I'm, you're, there's going to be a point in like 10 minutes where you're going to hate Ray, and I can't wait. Okay, so um, Ray wants to get like Coke to sponsor the restaurant so he can like get free restaurant boards, and the brothers aren't for it. And, you know, it's just like, it's this push back and forth, and it's like all, everything he's, Ray is talking about early on is stuff that, is famously implemented through McDonald's. Like McDonald's is famously a Coca-Cola carrier. And it's just like him like slowly implanting himself in the company in such an upsetting way. So they're at the supper club and Ray sells a few restaurants to his rich pals because he's like, this is the future. It's going to be great. You'll sell hamburgers. It's easy. It's cheap. It's nothing but money. And um, he's like selling them left and right. Like he's opening six a week. And then he starts visiting them and he realizes, oh, they're doing the shit that happened before. They're like selling fried chicken and they're dirty and they have like- Goddamn fried chicken. Honestly. And he like, he walks onto a golf course holding up like a badly made burger with lettuce on it. And he's like, what is this? And the guy- (laughs) This is not McDonald's quality. This is not a McDonald's hamburger. There's lettuce. They don't have lettuce. Oh, right. You got me, right? (laughs) You like that? Yeah. And like, I don't know, he does this whole thing, tears him out. And like, at this point, you're almost for him. You're like, okay, he's like keeping integrity. He's doing the thing. He makes a fuss, you know, and he is then- Is he leaves. gonna, not to spoil it or anything, is he gonna get corrupted by power? A little, sort of. Uh, we'll get there. I'll, I compare him <laughs> I to Hitler. I just assumed yes. Like, I'm comparing him to Hitler very soon, so we'll get there. He leaves the supper club because he doesn't want to be friends with these rich people that don't care about quality. And he realizes yeah. he needs to start giving franchises to like working class people because they'll care. And that becomes like the whole structure basically from here on out that like, for the most part in the beginning, the only people that had franchises were like working class people that wanted their own business. And then they, they would like work there and care. Like the wife would work in the line and the husband would work in the back and it would be like this whole thing. And they kind of build this like weird like family cult of personality thing. Weird. Uh, and, but uh, also like I get it from like a prosperity for these families, you know, yeah. an opportunity to be a business owner and all that. And like at this point, he is very much stealing the show. Like he is, he's going on speaking tours. He's going to like Elks Lodges and VFWs and like talking to everybody and being like, how can I get you all to start a restaurant today? It gets real Hitlery real quick. Like, <laughs> like the parallels I draw from this movie at this point to him and Hitler is crazy. Just like him spreading so quick and everybody loves him and he like just has all these ideas and everybody just shakes his hand and loves it. It's crazy. He, like, really pushes opportunity and, like, hope and all that stuff. He's a very, like, politically-minded person, considering he's, like, a traveling salesman who never got into politics. (laughs) 
And then he's like at this big executive meeting and he lies. And they say like, when did you find McDonald's? And he says, 1954. He, they say, when did you found McDonald's? Not find, but like, it's kind of that like wordplay thing where like he found it in 1954, but you know, he didn't actually found it. And he meets this- Oh, so even the founder, he is not the yeah. founder. And at one point, like near the end, he gives a business card to a person and it says Ray Kroc, the founder on it, which was what his earlier, like mid, late early card said because he stole the business completely because he's a bad man. Um, so he meets this hot blonde who becomes his third wife then. She is like an executive's wife, this like big guy that runs restaurants in Chicago who wants to start a few McDonald's chains. And they play pennies from heaven on the piano together at this club where they're eating dinner. That, which I, that's, that was code for fucking back then. It was, you know? <laughs> I love that song. And hearing Michael Keaton do a duet with whoever this lady was really tickled me. I enjoyed it. <laughs> like the fact that from here on out, he has an emotional affair with her until he leaves Ethel, which is coming up soon. No, um, he's just. Um, I do just to interject because now I'm thinking about pennies from heaven. I in my brain I always hear panties from heaven, which I know completely ruins the song. God, um, it's the loveliest. Come on, Max, get your dick out of the gutter. I can't help it. I feel like someone said that to me a long time ago, and I just <laughs> it was their fault. I'm not a piece of shit. So he's just full of himself. He wants like more and more. He's, he calls the brothers and he's like, the money I'm getting isn't even covering the franchise fees and stuff like that. And he's just being a little bitch. Cause you know, he like, he agreed to a contract and the brothers only get 0.5%. Like at this point they are drawing 0.5 net all restaurants, which of course is still really good. But like, you know, they agreed to just like kind of be there. Mm-hmm. And Ray wants but- are they okay with someone just selling fried chicken and shit? They aren't. And that, like, that problem now is gone. Once okay. he starts getting all the working class people, like, the restaurants are really taking, like, a unity. And, like, it starts to begin to be that thing where, like, you can go to a McDonald's anywhere and it's the same kind of like it is now. Um, he's drinking more, we notice, which isn't really a thing. Like, he's not, like, a raging alcoholic. He's just, like, drinking more casually. He's like just gorging on more hamburgers. Each yeah. time we see him, and he becomes more of a distended. Always has a bar in his hand. He eats half of it and then puts it out in an ashtray. More hamburgers. Uh, where's Grimace at this point in the story? Oh, God. Grim- we don't hear about any of the characters. Which oh. McDonald's we land. Need, we need like a, a Lion King one and a half version of um mcdonald the founder story but with like howard grimace and the fry the little fry pom-poms doing you doing all ever, if you ever want to spend a good 20 minutes go to the wikipedia for the mcdonald's land characters and read the descriptions it is fantastic <laughs> the fact that you knew to call it mcdonald's land yeah those characters like mayor mccheese like his description is an anthropomorphic hamburger <laughs> with human body who acts as the mayor of McDonald's land. There's also an officer who also has a, has a hamburger as a head. There's so much. <laughs> when Grimace was first introduced, he was evil Grimace and he had angry eyebrows. And then they like stopped making him that way after like five years. 
I could talk for an hour about McDonald's Lane characters. It is fantastic. So founders, uh, creators, take note. Did you see how much more excited we got when we wanted to pivot to the mascots? If there was a movie just about, like, the creative process, uh, I would cream. I'd be so happy. (laughs) Anyway. um, So back to back to Burger Hitler. (laughs) Back to Burger Hitler. Oh, uh, one second. Back. <laughs> it's going to be our first bumper sticker. So Dern knows about the secret mortgage. The jig is up. And he's three months behind on payment, which isn't good. I don't know if you have a secret mortgage, but you should never be. <laughs> you got to keep that thing paid. Uh, so he's at another meeting with his hot third wife, future third wife, and this guy. And they introduce him to fake milkshakes, which it's like a powdered milkshake, which is gross. The idea of it is disgusting. And I've had McDonald's milkshakes, which just makes me unhappy. Because basically he realizes <laughs> if, you, if you cut out refrigeration, you'll save hundreds of millions across every franchise. Right. And he calls the McDonald's boys, and of course they're not for it, because why would they be? That's awful. <laughs> um... Anyway, so he's at the bank. He's like, why'd you call my house? I need to... And he's like, all this stuff. And the bank's like, we need something collateral. We have your house already. We need something else. And then BJ Novak happens to be sitting next to him. Oh, untrustworthy. Love him. No, he's a bad man. He's a businessman. I forget his real name, but he wound up being the first president of McDonald's for like five years. And um, he basically says that you need to start buying the land that the franchises are on. Hell yeah. And you'll like, you'll earn, like, you'll basically make them pay you rent. And For our listeners at home, I'm rubbing my hands together evilly. Also, that look, is smart I, and evil. The Big Mac was almost called the aristocrat. <laughs> it's too on the nose. This, this is not brought up in the movie at all. This came from my own separate research, but I wish they went with that. Could you imagine a hamburger called the aristocrat? Oh, man, I'm just going to walk into a McDonald's. <laughs> the one near me where they do not seem to, like, want to oh, deal with anybody. I'll take an aristocrat with cheese. <laughs> what aristocrat, please? I could just imagine the commercial. It would basically be the Grey Poupon commercial, but instead of, like, the dashboard mustard, he would just pull up to a drive through like in his back limo window and roll it down and say, I'll have an aristocrat. An aristocrat, yes. Um, well, while we're on fantastic McDonald's uh, commercials, have you, are you familiar with the McDLT? Of course. I love George <laughs> Costanza. That's the best commercial ever made. All right, then I'll leave that for you to discuss. If you so desire. Uh, uh, I don't, there's nothing to say. Go watch it. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> It, it keeps the cool side cool and the hot side hot. Hot, hot, and the cool, cool, yeah. Listeners, go watch the McDLT commercial with George Costanza. Like, McDonald's is such a treasure trove of pop culture. I would do a podcast just about the McDonald's, hands down. Nick, we're, while we're recording? Like, come on, dude. Why you gotta say that? Build, build our own cult of personality. We need to be more Oh, like, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking about this today. Yeah, we gotta... Um, no, I was. I was reading about the uh, the Kim the Jong, Jong family. Interesting. The Kim, the Kim family. The North Koreans. 
I was watching something about um, Mao Zedong earlier today. Yeah, like so Nick, you're uh, right. I think this is our a little dash of that, little dash of uh, Burger Hitler. And every, we could start our own cult of personality. We'll take it all over. Every, every Dern after reading listener needs to have three portraits in their house. Me, Laura Dern, and Max. <laughs> <laughs> and we're slowly gonna rise above her. But for <laughs> now, you can put her on top. Okay, so he he's starting to buy all the land. He's charging rent. He's basically making ubu money, and it fucks you up. You ubu him. money? Ubu money, crazy money, mad ubu. money, whatever. Buku bucks. That's it, buku. But like, so now he's making so infinitely much more, and the brothers are getting no part of this, and they call him, and they're like. Hey, um, what's what's this? You need to run all approvals through us. And he says, "This is a separate company. You have no say," which is true, but shitty. I'm. This is the you point. Loop, hold him. This is the part where I really don't like Ray Kroc because from here on out, he just he steals McDonald's. He he. Um, let's see. Sorry, let me just catch up with my notes. I'm getting all emotional now. <laughs> just so, thinking about Mal. He's continuing to have an emotional affair on his wife with um, June, who would be his last wife, I think. I got confused. He had three wives in the second yeah, two. There's B plot. It was like Jane and then June, and I don't know if this is the, that one or the last one, but he's doing all the stuff. He divorces Laura Dern, and he makes very sure that she gets none of the McDonald's money which is unfair because she was there for the entire time he was involved. And also she was helping him a lot, like when they were getting families to buy franchises. And yeah, but where was she on that secret mortgage? I don't know, man. It's a whole <laughs> thing. Right. He's literally well, talking to lawyers. secret from her. He's talking to his lawyers and he says the phrase, make it go away, which is the evilest thing a rich person can say yeah. to a lawyer in the history of <laughs> I don't remember if he's talking about the, what, the McDonald's contract breach or his wife, but either way, it's not good. <laughs> Make it go away. And um, in this whole time, one of the McDonald's brothers has um, medical troubles. He has diabetes and the stress is like, puts him in the hospital that all of this is happening. Oh, and Ray, Ray goes to visit them and he says, he gives them a blank check and says, what do you want? I'll give you any amount of money to buy McDonald's from you. And you might think, oh, he's making a nice guy move. Wrong. They ask for 2.7 million, which is a million each after taxes. And they want 1% of all income, like 1% net forever. And which is fair, I think. Basically, they get completely screwed out of that. He says that they cannot they cannot guarantee them a yearly net. So they'll do it on a handshake basis, which means they never got any of it ever. Of course. And they give them 1.35 million, which is after taxes, like half a million each. And they- That's what they, this is McDonald's. Yeah. Got from McDonald's. Yeah. Which at, uh, just mind you- A million bucks. Yes, they get a million dollars and they're allowed to keep their original stand, but they can't call it McDonald's anymore, even though that's their name. Aww. And the uh, original Budweiser. Just, just for a little thing here, uh, McDonald's is currently worth about $17 billion. Yeah, I thought it'd be a little more than a 
one million. And uh, yeah, this like I think this was probably like the late '60s at this point that they got a million for it. Which still, if you factor it up, is a lot, but nowhere near what they should have gotten. Sure. And they got absolutely nothing after. Basically, they were completely written out of the McDonald's history. Um. And at one point, you see Ray in the bathroom with one of the brothers, and the brother says, like, you came and toured our restaurant. You could have just stolen it, like, stolen the ideas and opened your own restaurant. And then Ray says, like, I'm better than that, and basically implies that it's more, it's more ethical to steal a thing than it is the actual idea of it. Because he's a ghoul. Because he he's a burger ghoul. He's talking about, like, like persistence. And, like, like, he says it like it's not an evil thing and he didn't just steal a family's entire, like, life and idea and everything. And it's, okay, Ugh, God. It's 1970, he's with his, his last wife. wife, sure. His last wife, Joan, which is another blonde woman. And, uh, yeah, he's a thief and a coward. He's prepping a speech for, like, some, oh, some, like, restaurant award and like ronald reagan's gonna be there i don't know of course <laughs> he's just a bad bad man like he's he's a shrewd businessman in such an evil way and if you take nothing else from this movie he is burger hitler and don't forget it <laughs> and that was the founder oh one other thing the guy that did the um music for it the music was very good his name is uh carter burwell he did uh, pretty much all the Coen Brothers movies. He did the Twilight franchise in Bruges, which is a great film. Oh, yeah. Anyway, that's it. That's the founder. See it. It's good. Did you like it? You're I obviously did. quite passionate about the founder himself. I How was the Ray, movie? Ray Kroc is a controversial figure. It's a good movie. It's very pretty. Um, there are some great shots in it, like, the scene when he's walking in the bank after they call his wife, it's like a bunch of like Dutch angles and really intense music, which is crazy. Cause he's like walking into a bank, but like he's <laughs> mad and he's like, why'd you call my house? There's such a thing as privacy. And the bank guy goes, you're three payments behind. Shut up. True. <laughs> it's like such a weird, like he's in the wrong thing, but he's trying to get his way, which is pretty much his entire life. But you know, Hey, he came out on top. Like, and it's sort of like, I think with that whole prosperity gospel of it all, right? That like, he wasn't, he definitely felt like he was doing the right thing, even though he was a hundred percent just like being a burger bull. And like, I get how like he pretty much did all the franchising and the growing and he felt like he deserved McDonald's, but still like, he just screwed him out of everything, which is so unfair. I don't know. Life, man. Don't start a burger stand. That's the moral of this story. Yeah, if, if a burger ghoul approaches you... <laughs> well, no, once you start a burger stand, and it's like your, your humble pride, if a burger ghoul approaches you and says, I'll let you cut me in... Three times and he'll go away. <laughs> Oh, God. But yeah, it's a heck of a thing. Do you like McDonald's? I do. 
I would not say I would eat there every day, but like, you know, maybe once every other week, it's a nice little treat. There's just something so American about it. I completely agree. It's like such a thing that's Americana. And like, even though it's evil, like, you know, it gets a pass kind of. They have a clown, they have Grimace. Yeah. Some, some of them have neat themes. The one in my hometown is like a 1950s diner inside. Yeah, those are fun McDonald's. And it's weird because there's a bunch of display cases with like artifacts of the 50s. There's like a piece of um, Jimi Hendrix's belt. There's some feathers. Like, from, oh, like actual stuff. Yeah, there's like feathers from one of um, um, Marilyn Monroe's boas. There's like some Jane Mansfield stuff because she's from the adjoining town to mine. She's actually <laughs> as, our, as our astute listeners will know. Yes, Mariska Hargitay, her daughter, has been to my town because her mom is buried here and her mom was born here. <laughs> so take that, all you SVU heads out there. Alrighty, Max. So, uh, between... Between two durns. What's between your durns, my guy? Ooh, um... I've been, so I watched Middle Ditch and Schwartz. Middle Ditch and Schwartz. Which is Ben Schwartz and Thomas Middle Ditch. Yes. So Ben Schwartz, best known as Jean Ralphio uh, from <laughs> Parks and Rec. And Thomas Middle Ditch, the guy from Silicon Valley. Yeah, um, that's a, uh, that's a, uh, a, uh, um, um, you got this. Oh, that is a, I can't think of it. The guy that made King of the Hill. Why am I blanking on Mike this? Mike Judge. Mike Judge John. He did that. Silicon Valley. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so what Middle Ditch and Schwartz is, is um, the two of them doing their live improv performance and they did it right here and at the uh you know at the met did they record it at the met or no they didn't do they didn't record it then but i ran into i met someone at the bar that you work at and they had just come from the show and they were i was like how was it and they were like meh it was uh meh and like, I don't know why I took their word for it because I love both of these guys. But so in my head, I was like, it's not that good. Some random fucking guy at Lorraine told me. Uh, I watched it last night. I watched all three. It's fantastic. It's so fucking good. And even the, the nature of it that, oh, maybe they got a bad show. Fuck you, guy. If you didn't like what these what these guys were bringing to the table, you're a piece of shit. I hope he listens and feels bad about himself. Sure um, Middle Ditch and Shorts is amazing. So it's an hour. It's them doing one improv story. They'll get one story from the audience and do like a full hour, just the two of them all the improvising it's genius it's so fucking good they're incredible absolutely a fantastic idea. like undoubtedly like you could there must be some nights that aren't quite as super enjoyable as others but like no this is this is fucking great they're wonderful i love that Ugh. i love them i'm so i'm mad they're only three episodes 
because I want more and more. I've, I forgot how much I loved them. I used to watch them in like college humor videos. True. And years ago. And they were, and uh, Middle Ditch was uh, Anthony, P oh, his name was Penis. Yes, that was the joke. His name was Penis. Penis Anthony uh, Dublay or something. I get <laughs> mad when people call him Dubs as a sort of uh, mean-spirited nickname when his name was in fact Penis. Um, both of them, him, Ben Schwartz, they're amazing. I loved it. Listeners, go watch it. They're, they're an absolute treat, top to bottom. And damn good at improv. Yeah, Nick, watch, go watch it after this. It's amazing. I, I will. I will. Anything else? No, nah, nah, that's about it. Fair enough. I've only got one this week myself. Oh wait, I do have I for, I I've been watching um Trust, Trust the Hulu show. It's about Jay Paul Getty. If you want like the founder esque, he's oil hitler. He's Maybe. another Hitler ghoul. Um, but he's he's an oil man, Getty. Um, you know the Getty gas stations and such. Yeah, or the uh, Getty Foundation. Yeah, because they do all that wonderful work, be it like to mask their oil ghoulishness. They buy um, paint and such, you know, rich people jazz. Have you been to the Getty in LA? I have not. I've always wanted to go though. It is absolutely breathtaking. Uh, it is a wonderful, it is the only museum that like dwarfs its collection and it's its own piece. It really is. It's it's an amazing thing to behold, but it's just on oil ghoul money, top to bottom, which is awesome. But you take a nice little monorail to get there. It's very, <laughs> and then you get these amazing views of Los Angeles. It's something to behold. It's got incredible art, uh, incredible architecture, and just don't look at the oil ghoul. Don't look <laughs> at the burger ghoul. Right, like that's just just enjoy it. You never look a burger, burger ghoul in the mouth. <laughs> uh, what's between your journals? Uh, well, last night I watched the uh, new Mr. Rogers biopic. Oh. A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood starring Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers himself. Do you feel like you needed like an antidote to Ray Kroc? You needed some like healthy, wholesome Americana? Honestly, I did. And I can say that this movie was fantastic. It was so good. Uh, Tom Hanks did an amazing job. It made me cry multiple times. It's a great story. It's about a writer who did a, um, it's, it was like a write-up on Mr. Rogers. It was supposed to be a little thing. And it was like about forgiving his dad and all this stuff and how like Mr. Rogers kind of like helped him grow. And it like wound up being the cover story on Esquire. And it was just, it was really nice seeing the way that, like, Mr. Rogers became such a big thing in his life and helped him through this issue he was having. And, like, just the idea that Mr. Rogers did this for everyone. Like, he cared about everyone so much and was such a good person. And, like, yeah, wasn't an act. He just was Mr. Rogers. It's wild. What's, like, the opposite of Hitler? Well, I guess he's the opposite. He is. Hands down the opposite of Hitler. If I had to, <laughs> <laughs> I had to pick, like... The other extreme end, it would be Mr. Rogers. Yeah. So fuck you, Ray Kroc. 
Yeah. And, and also Hitler. <laughs> and also Hitler. the real Hitler. Fuck also not good. <laughs> uh, aside from that fantastic movie, there's a few documentaries I'm really looking forward to, but I have not watched them yet, so I can't really attest. Sure. Um, there's A Secret Love and a, The Circus of Books, both very um, promising queer documentaries on Netflix right now. And uh, there's also a three-part documentary series called Psalm. And it's about sommelier training. Oh, that kind of psalm. I was thinking like yeah, It's on a Hulu. The first, the first two are, the third one isn't yet. The first one's just about like three people going through the process of learning and taking the test to be a sommelier, which is apparently a very hard process. The second one is about like 10 bottles of wine being opened and each one is like a super rare, incredible vintage with a great story. And it's just like the story of each and like how it came to be. And I don't care about the third one. It sounded boring, but. Yeah. <laughs> and fuck the third one. How, how can you make three full-length documentaries about sommeliers? I don't buy it. I'll watch the first two and then I quit. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, so I'm looking forward to those. I enjoyed the Mr. Rogers movie. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Yeah. Really? I haven't seen it yet, but I, I would, would like to. So yeah. Um, I guess it's time for that other thing we talk about. Little turn! That was a good one. Yep, we nailed it. Let's see your little turn. Come on, pull around. Um, alright, so my little turn was Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. You don't say. Not unbreak. Did you think I was gonna it was gonna be unbreakable, which is a great film. Can we just talk about that instead of this one <laughs> random episode of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? Um, Unbreakable was the M. Night Shyamalan movie that was before Glass. <laughs> no, we're just going to talk about that instead. It's amazing. <laughs> I don't condone this, but I can't stop you. <laughs> no, all right. I'll talk about Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which Thank is you. a great show. Um, Lord, have you seen the show, Nick? I've seen like I've seen a bunch of clips. I've only seen maybe three full length episodes. Okay. I've heard it's uh, really good. There's so much stuff. It's hard to watch it all. Yeah. Yeah, this is an unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt podcast. We can say mean things about it if we want. <laughs> um, but so the premise of the show is that Kimmy Schmidt, who is the titular character, she was kept in a bunker by a man who was John Hamm. And then she gets out of the bunker. And then... Uh, <laughs> I didn't quite prepare this because I didn't think about, like, oh, yeah, we'd have to, like, pad this entire time with, like, this one episode of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Um, but Laura Dern's in it, and she plays... Uh, the white, she, the girlfriend of a guy who kidnapped Kimmy Schmidt. And she wants the divorce papers because Kimmy, I don't, who cares? I don't want to explain this whole episode. Um, <laughs> you have nothing else to do but explain this episode. That was my only job. Um, yeah, Lori Jones, great. <laughs> So that's it. 12 episodes in and we're giving up? No, 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 no. We're not giving up. She's wonderful. <laughs> but it's just, it was such a weird random, like, one. She just happens to be the character in this random show. 
Yeah, I did uh, find it weird that she guested for like one episode. Yeah, it was sort of strange. It was fun. She's great. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What else is going on, Nick? <laughs> Man, I don't know. I <laughs> guess we could talk about our feelings. Nah, let's not. <laughs> yeah, no, no. We don't lose. <laughs> don't that well. That well, no, we're not gonna not gonna jump well, there, on. There that. is something I could bring up. Sure. Um, this is for you listening right now. Um, if you've made it this far, you clearly don't <laughs> have any concern for your own well-being. And you clearly are a fan of this show. So if you're liking it, uh maybe tell your friends. Put it on your Instagrams, your Facebooks. Uh, share us around. We want people to hear us. We want, we want some interface with uh, listeners. We want to spread like this awful virus that has killed over a million people. Yeah, we want to be the next coronavirus. We do. We want to be COVID-20. Dern <laughs> <Dern> style. <laughs> That's not um, tasteless, is it? <laughs> yes <laughs> it's, it's incredibly tasty I, I, I was did we do it yeah absolutely tone deaf there but you know it happens <laughs> yeah share us around tell your tell your parents tell your partners all of them all your partners line them up is the official stance of this podcast <laughs> i don't practice it but boy do i support it <laughs> God bless you. Gosh. Any, anything else we want to discuss? Um, oh, yeah. I'll discuss. You'll get to see these um, beautiful flower paintings that my sister did. If anyone wants a free, just f- get it sent to you flower in the mail from the U.S. Postal Service, my sister is a brilliant artist, and she is will mail you a flower as part of her Wonder Garden Growing project. You can find it hashtag Wonder Garden Growing. And I just got mine in the mail and they're wonderful. And I'm going to send one to Nick. I was about to ask. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. So while we're doing, you know, Laura Dern podcast, she's out there just like, oh, spreading beautiful art to the world. And um, if you want to send us your mother's maiden name and social security number, please feel free to do that as well. Yeah. Or just, just give us money. Like, yeah. let's, let's skip, skip the middleman. If you want to send us cash, Cold straight, straight Ray Kroc Mickey Bucks. That's what this is about. That's why we do this. It uh, is. We do it for the money. We don't like Laura Dern at all. <laughs> we do. No. We saw this as an opportunity. This, this originally, this podcast was two humble Dern heads started. <laughs> Yes, and it was their family's life work. Man, we've become so jaded in 12 episodes. <laughs> All we care about is money and fame. No, we're going to get the cult of personality. <laughs> and yeah, just, just send us your cash. That's yeah, it. Yeah, come on. You're not doing anything with it. You're getting yeah. all those government payments. Slide some our way. <laughs> Did you get uh, any Trump bucks? Um, I was still a dependent on my parents' taxes last year, so no dice. But I've been getting unemployment, so that's fun. Yeah. And they sent, like, sometimes you get an extra $600 because, I don't know, who knows? But money is coming. (laughs) Yeah, no one quite knows the rules. 
I don't know the rules and I'm not going to question it. I'm yep, going to take everything to me and I'm going to invest it in a recession proof market. <laughs> and that in such, in, uh, recession proof market is a, uh, I don't know. Turn based podcasting. <laughs> yes. I'm pouring all the money into this podcast. You can tell by the high production <laughs> values. I'm in a basement. You're in a weird attic. This is my home. <laughs> this is my home, too. I feel like you go to the basement. I'm just in my home. <laughs> I choose to go here. You I have choose to. to live in a weird attic. <laughs> Quote Max before we started recording, don't, pe- don't tell people how I live. <laughs> one of the top Simpsons bits of all time. It's a good one. Alrighty, Max. Do you see this uh, 20-sided die here? Oh, shit. Do we have... What's going on? Well, I decided to just push this on you live on air. (laughs) I'm between three things for my birthday episode, which is going to be recorded soon, because my birthday is in five days from right now. And uh, I was between three things. I just couldn't pick, so I decided to use this to pick for me. Do you want to know what those three things are? Yes, I would love to. I'm going to list them in order of length. First, we have The Wizard of Oz. Heard of it? It's a classic. I loved it as a child. I haven't watched it in a few years. Would love to talk about it. It's a very, like, campy film. A lot of cool stuff in it. Second, the Stephen King-produced Shining from the 90s. Or late 80s, I forget, but... That's like three episodes, and I believe the last one aired on my birth, like maybe five days before my actual day of birth. Okay, so that one's got some... I think it was, I think it might have actually been May 1st, 1997, that the last episode aired. Okay. And what's, uh, what's the old number three? Are you still with me, Nicholas? You still there? Yeah. Am I, am I losing you a little bit? I don't have video. You're just frozen in time. Hello, you back? Oh, we're back. Okay, good. Sorry about that. Okay, and the third thing is... Don't apologize a, for the internet. Yeah, whatever. The third thing is an absolutely bananas thing I discovered like three days ago. <laughs> it's called Kid Nation. It was a reality TV show where a bunch of kids are taken into the middle of the desert to the set of Bonanza and they have to live on their own and they like make their own economy and they have to make their own food. Oh, I, I hope that one wins. The, uh, like the a jury and executioner. There's 13 episodes and it looks stunning. I really want to see all of it. <laughs> like it, it's absolute madness. And borderline child abuse. Anyway. (laughs) But I have a sneaking suspicion, given the 20-sided die of this all, that uh, it's not in our hands. We're just going to... Tell me what you're proposing here, Nicholas. Well, I was just going to do, like, whatever I roll on, if there's a one in it, I'll choose number one. If there's two, I'll do two. If there's a three, I'll do three. But I realize if I land on anything after 11, that pretty much d- triple, like, doubles the odds of the Wizard of Oz winning. So what do you think is the best way to do this? 
you want to know honestly kid nation because it's fantastic nick what do you it's your birthday what do you want what do you want me to watch what do you want you to watch what do you want darn nation to watch and all three of those sounded incredible i'd love to do any any single one of them in honor of your birthday but yeah fuck the dice which one do you want to do Fine, the dice. And like, it could be that the listeners don't. We don't have to resolve this right now. That's true. But I say, but what what I would recommend is say, fuck the dice. Do what's in your heart. You know what? I am gonna do what's in my heart. And we can end on a cliffhanger. We can. We've never done that to the listeners. They always. I think we should. We should just start doing that in general. (laughs) And lots of things on cliffhangers. Yeah, exactly. Just not tell them what we're doing. Maybe leave for like four weeks at a time without saying anything. <laughs> uh, well, I guess next yeah, time. Yeah, let's know. let's leave it on a cliffhanger. I'm Tune very excited. And you'll be hearing about a movie or show or something. Yep. Who knows? I hope it's Kid Nation. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> All righty, Max. I will see you in person a week from today. Do you want to give a, a Lorraine plug? Or like, oh, yeah. nah, fuck them. Um, if you're in Philadelphia and you want some beer or a t-shirt making fun of our president, you can come to Lorraine. It's on Brown Street, right by the Divine Lorraine on uh, Broad Street. It's a nice bar. We got some cheap beer for sale. We're doing a little fundraiser to help the employees and keep everything running. So come on down if you want to. And that's next Saturday. That's the 9th? Right. Next Friday, the 8th. Friday, May 8th. May 8th. May the 8th be with you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm excited to see all my pals from six feet away. It's going to be nice. Yeah. Um, I don't have anything to plug or support in that way. That's fine. You're just in your attic. (laughs) Your attic home. All right. All righty. Fingers crossed for Kid Nation. We'll see what happens. Who knows? Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. Love you. Yeah!